Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. As you know, Lent is a 40-day period of prayer and fasting, self-examination and repentance leading up to Easter. And sometimes that can make Lent to be a bit of a somber season of the church year. Of course, Sundays are not included in those 40 days. And the reason for that is that Sunday is the day of resurrection. And therefore, every Sunday is a mini Easter as we remember and celebrate the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead as the firstborn of the new creation. Now, sometimes in the church, we have a tendency to forget that our worship ought to have a celebratory character to it. We Presbyterians are particularly guilty of this. They don't call us the frozen chosen for nothing. But of all people, Christians ought to know how to have a good time. After all, we know that through the cross and resurrection that Jesus Christ has conquered death, washed away our sins, restored our relationship with the Father, and opened up for us the gates of eternal life. And we receive it all as a gift, as pure grace having been claimed by Jesus in the waters of baptism and given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our adoption as God's children, making us heirs of God's kingdom, joint heirs with Christ. And that is a reason to celebrate. 
Again, this is one of my favorite things in life, is a, a, a great dinner party. You know, with, with good company and, and delicious food and spectacular wine as we celebrate together the gifts of life and friendship and the goodness of God revealed to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, a foretaste of that great banquet to come. Now, the Jewish people of Jesus' day already knew how to throw a good party. And they had special festivals throughout the year when they would remember and give thanks to God for God's faithfulness to them. But the biggest and most joyous of all these festivals was the Feast of Tabernacles. One of three festivals where all Jewish males were required to come to Jerusalem and present themselves before the Lord. Now, during the eight days of this feast, the people would construct simple huts or tents, and they would eat and sleep in those tabernacles in order to commemorate the hastily built structures that the Israelites lived in during their 40 years in the wilderness. Now, one of the primary components of the Feast of Tabernacles was light. As the people remembered the pillar of fire that led the Israelites in the wilderness, lighting up their way through the darkness to the promised land. In fact, they used to light four massive candelabras in the temple complex, each 75 feet tall. And these oil lamps were so bright that the entire city of Jerusalem basked in their light. And throughout the festival, the Jewish men would, would light torches and they would dance and sing around the temple, praising God as the Levites played musical instruments and made a joyful noise to the Lord. And every year, they would light these massive lamps in the temple as a symbol of hope as they waited with anticipation for that day when they would never again walk in darkness because the Lord himself would come and be their light. As it is written in the book of Isaiah, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you by night, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And year after year, the people would light up the city, remembering God's faithfulness to them in the past and looking with hope to the future. And on the final day of the festival, all the lights would be put out, and they would hold a holy and solemn assembly, a powerful reminder that those hoped-for days had not yet come. And it was then, when all the lights of the festival were put out, that Jesus went and stood in the temple and declared, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus was claiming that those hoped-for days had at long last arrived, 
that he was the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles and the words of the prophet, the very presence of God in their midst whose light would never go out, the pillar of fire made flesh, lighting up their way to the kingdom of God. But Jesus had come that not just Jerusalem, but the whole world might bask in his light. Of course, the Pharisees did not take too kindly to this talk, and they challenged Jesus to provide some testimonial support, some witnesses to back up his claims. But Jesus said that it was his Father who testified on his behalf, and because they did not know his Father or him, they remained in the darkness, which was a terrible tragedy, since it is light that is what gives us life. Remember how our story began back in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And light erupted into the universe, ripping apart the darkness. And the rest of creation followed. Light is foundational for life. We literally could not survive without it. I mean, without light, our food supply would disappear along with the oxygen we breathe as all the plants would die off. Without enough sunlight, some people even become sick or, or depressed or discouraged. And after uh, several gloomy and overcast days and we finally get a day of blue skies and bright sunshine, doesn't it make you feel alive again? And how many things can, can lift your spirits, like the experience of, of witnessing a spectacular sunrise over the ocean or, or the mountains as light explodes in a million directions, basking the whole world in its radiance, as if heaven itself was throwing a party. Of course, light doesn't just give us life but also allows us to see where it is we're going and what we're doing. And light allows us to see things as they really are. For you see, in the darkness, our vision is not very sharp. Things become distorted, and there's much that we do not see. That's why many restaurants often have very dim lighting. Everyone looks better in the dark. And have you ever had that experience of going like into a, a bathroom at a restaurant or, or a hotel or, or someone else's house that had much better lighting than you're normally used to? And you look in the mirror and notice all kinds of wrinkles and blemishes and other undesirables that you hadn't noticed before. You see, light allows us to see the truth. But that's not necessarily what we're looking for. And when you have been in the dark for a while, the light can even be painful as it takes time for our eyes to adjust. And, and sometimes you just want to put the light out. 
which is precisely what they tried to do when they nailed Jesus to the cross. His light was just too bright for those who had been walking for so long in the darkness. You know, I actually think this is one of the reasons why many people are not very interested in reading the Bible. For in its light, we see the truth about our lives, our sinfulness and our hypocrisy, our self-centeredness and our idolatry, and most of us would rather avoid that. But Scripture also has the power to, to light our way through the darkness and uncertainty of our lives to the abundant life that God desires for us. As the psalmist writes, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it is the word of God that shines into our darkness, giving us direction and, and hope for new life. And in Jesus Christ... The Word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us, full of grace and truth. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the light of the world, the more clearly we begin to see ourselves, God, and the world around us. And as our vision improves, the more perceptive we become to what it is that Jesus is doing in our midst so that we can begin to reflect his light into the dark places of our lives. That is our fundamental mission as followers of Jesus, to reflect the light of Christ. Whether you are a teacher or a realtor, or a money manager, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or a stay-at-home mom, or a retiree. Your true vocation in life is to reflect the light of Jesus through your words and your actions wherever you happen to be. That is your mission. Now, sometimes we tend to become confused by this and think that it is our job to try to be the light in the darkness for someone else, as if it's, it's up to us to save other people or to fix all their problems or to make them happy. But you cannot take responsibility for someone else's happiness. You cannot be the light in their life. That's a Savior's job. And only Jesus is the light of all people that shines in the darkness and which the darkness cannot overcome. Of course, we keep trying to find other sources of life that are not quite so bright and that are easier for us to manage, like relationships or careers or religions or celebrities. Heck, we even call famous people stars implying that they give off their own light, even though there may be no more dysfunctional group of people in our society who are anything but good role models showing us the way to life. Well, other than Congress. <laughs> but all these things are, are really just false lights that cannot last and that cannot 
give us life. For at their best, they are but symbols of the true light of the world that will never go out, and that is Jesus Christ alone. And our job is to remain so close to him that we begin to reflect his light into the lives of the people around us so that they too might experience his love and his grace and his peace and his resurrected life. A few years ago, while we were still in Pennsylvania, a group of guys in our church began meeting together every week in order to immerse themselves in the light of Christ by studying Scripture and the basic doctrines of our faith that they might increase in their knowledge and love of Jesus. Well, after about a year together, they decided to to go and, and serve a meal at a place in Pittsburgh called the Family House. Now, this was a place where cancer patients and their families could stay inexpensively while going through various treatments at local hospitals. And I'm sure you can only imagine the fearful and lonely darkness that permeates a place like that. Well, the day before, a sign had been put up in their dining area saying that a group from Sewickley Presbyterian Church was going to be providing a hot meal for them that night. And so our guys brought food for about 40 people, and then they hung around to eat with them. They said a prayer as a few people gathered, and then slowly but surely more people came in to eat. Our guys just made sure to say a warm and friendly hello to everyone who came into that dining area. And then they sat down and and talked with all the residents as everyone ate together. I mean, there was people there from West Virginia and and Eastern Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, even India and South America. Now, normally, everyone stored their food there in the kitchen. They would come and prepare it quietly and then take it back to their own rooms to eat. Or they would just mind their own business and eat quietly and quickly on their own. But with friendly Presbyterians, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but, but with friendly Presbyterians chatting and eating with them, everyone stuck around as, as conversations began about various treatments they were going through or, or family members' struggles. And what was normally a stark and lonely dining area became a a warm and and festive place as as people were able to connect and and bond with other patients or their families whom they had only passed by in the darkness but had never really gotten to know. In fact, it it almost became a, a celebration, a tiny glimpse of that great banquet to come. And for just a little while, a place that was normally tense and sad and fearful and dark was filled with peace and love, 
caring and concern, joy and laughter as the light of Christ ripped apart the darkness once again and everyone there basked in the light of his love. But be very sure, those guys did not bring Jesus into the family house that night. No, he was already there. For Jesus Christ is the light of the whole world, and there is no part of his kingdom where his light cannot be found. But through their kindness and their concern and their listening ears, those guys who had spent the previous year together learning to see Jesus, they came and reflected his light into the lives of all those families who had been living in such darkness. That's what it means to be followers of Jesus. You see, it is not our job to try to be the light, but rather to position our lives in such a way through Bible study and prayer and worship so that we begin to reflect the light of Christ into the world's darkness wherever we find it in our lives. Remember, only Jesus is the world's true light. For only Jesus is the very presence of God in our midst. The pillar of fire made flesh lighting up the way to eternal life. And the hope and promise of the gospel is that that light still shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. And that, my friends, is a reason to celebrate. Amen.